Welcome to Brave New World, a podcast with creative people speaking to the challenges of our new current environment. We're asking our creative community about how they're adapting to difficulties in the current landscape and how we might all move forward together. I'm Brian Alfred. On this episode, Jerry Saltz, Senior Art Critic for New York Magazine. Hi, this is Jerry Saltz. I'm the Senior Art Critic for New York Magazine. And my wife, Roberta Smith, who is a co-chief art critic at the New York Times, are in day 52 of coming to ground, sheltering in place in northwest Connecticut. As a lot of people know, and we haven't made any secret of, Roberta had uterine cancer in 2014 and two recurrences. She's doing well right now on uh, immunotherapy drugs, which we will all be on someday, especially anybody younger than us. And it's good stuff. It's chemotherapy, a drip, but it has very few side effects and basically retrains your body to fight the one specific cancer that seems to have gotten through in your case. That's way too much information for you, but it's a way of saying that our sheltering has a lot of moving parts. And that's fine, but we really had to get away. I got an email from a doctor at Memorial Sloan Kettering just before we left on March 17, 18 rather, the day after my book came out, uh, that said, New York is berserk with coronavirus. Get her out of here now. It wasn't easy to get Roberta out. She really, really thrives in the galleries and museums, as do I, but She's very Jane Jacobs, a woman of the city, uh, public transportation. I had to really pull to get her out. In a lot of ways, although a lot of people wouldn't know it about me specifically, particularly, is that I'm almost pathologically bashful. I haven't gone to a sit-down dinner in maybe... 10 years, or haven't gone to more than five of them in 10 years, and Roberta and I are really lucky to be invited to like every one, and it's a win-win for gallerists and uh, museums and artists and foundations, who they now all know, if you invite us, you get the credit for inviting us, and we don't feel like total losers, and uh, we might come for like before you all sit down for the dinner, like for the cocktails, or I'm a big fan of finger food, cashew nuts in particular, which almost no one has. And as you all sit down, we slip out. Usually around 8.30, when the openings used to be over in, in the art districts, we might just go and have a couple of slices of pizza off paper plates with plastic silverware, not to be 
outlaws are cool about it just because, and this is the point, we have streamlined our lives to only be about looking at and then going home and writing about art, fighting the demons that live in everyone's mouths, ours too, and getting to work. And our solo shows, as it were, you know, to use the artist part of it, they come once every six days. So we, until this terrible pause as the angel of death walks among us, would see 20 or 30 shows a week and go home, fight the demons, and then start writing, writing over pizza. What we used to do is just compare notes. What did we miss? Who... Which dealers wouldn't leave us alone and were trying to tell us what, uh, you know, Michael and Susan Hort bought or what Sotheby's is going to do, as if any of that ever, really, we would say, I used to say, don't talk. I can't hear myself see. But gallerists, who are my favorite people in the art world, all just look at you like a cat and keep talking. The point being that we were never part of society or normal life. Ours is a tunnel life. Um, everything is streamlined just to see art and then to write about it. In a lot of ways, I've dreamed this withdrawal without pale death a hundred thousand times of, wouldn't it be great if I never had to go out. I could just look at art and write about it. So in a lot of ways, other than the nightmare, I'm living my best life. I already kind of dread when I read news about Europe galleries and museums. I'm so happy for them that they're opening, but I know I too will have to go back. I'm facing whatever challenges somebody that is lucky enough to work from home faces by opting. I asked my brilliant editors at New York Magazine, maybe don't use me for those wonderful listicles and what's available online. And I've spent a lifetime now looking at and thinking about, and for a short time even, making art. But thinking about it, and really, especially old art. For me, all art is contemporary art. If I'm looking at a cave painting, that cave painting exists only for me here and now. So I've been thinking about a lot of older art and trying to listen to weird sort of warblings that I've always sensed from just beneath the surface and trying in a number of essays for New York to try to dig deeper. I wrote an essay on Peter Bruegel's The Triumph of Death. I just finished one on a very, almost completely unknown Botticelli painting. I wrote an essay about my life and growing up, about eating, which should be out any minute as I 
speak to all of you. And hoping just to kind of put into words and take my work deeper, if that doesn't sound pretentious. And just do that. As far as I have no words of advice, other than what we all already know, which is that viruses come, but viruses go. Art is long. Creativity, art, they were there with us in the caves. Before the caves, really, Neanderthal people made hand stone axes and painted them a million years before we ever existed as Homo sapiens. But creativity is a survival tool. It's why, it's what makes us us, why we were able to adapt and survive. Darwin never said it's survival of the fittest or the strongest. That was a terrible misunderstanding that he, he spent the whole second part of his life trying to clear up. What he said is it's survival of those most able to adapt. And that is what art does. And it does it in real time, and creativity does it under the exact perfect storm that billions of people on Earth now found, find themselves in, which is basically under pressure, check, working in smaller spaces, check, in more intimate settings, check. Right now, you all, we all, are making art out of ourselves, out of things that at hand. We are making work while maybe the kids are making a mess at the same dining room table, and somebody's cooking next to you, and Nana is in the background maybe trying to do some laundry, and the dog is tipping over things, and there's pandemonium going on around you, and it turns out that these are the exact conditions that art was made in, creativity took place in, for 99.9% of our existence on this planet. Over the last 75,000 years, almost everything we made was made when the studio, the kitchen, the home, the bedroom, the playroom, the office, these were all one room. The pharmacy was once that room where food and medicine were the same thing. Ditto creativity. Art is not a thing. Art is, do Art is something that does something. It's a verb. It, it, it saves lives. It curses you. It's meant to make you fertile or stop you from getting pregnant. It's meant to protect armies. It's meant to raise the dead. The art inside of sarcophagi and in, inside the pyramids was never meant to be seen by human beings, only by gods in the afterlife. We all know that the art world got too big and bloated and expensive and that 
99% of the stuff you would read was on the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of about 55 really rich, famous male white artists. And I want everybody to make money. Me, you, the good, the bad, the very bad. I never begrudge people making money. But it's like the art world got obsessed with just a tiny little fraction of very shiny, rich art. And I still don't know why on art blogs people would ever report what sold at auction. Again, good for all those 55 people or 155 people or 1,500 people that are in that upper strata market, but it never had anything to do with art. We answered every question with the same answer for too long and lost our ability to adapt. And the answer was get bigger or busier. I don't have any advice. Art will go on. I know that once upon a long time ago, I'm 69 now, once upon a long time ago when I was a truck driver, when I was a failed artist, when I was dying to get back in the art world, that somehow, some way, I did get back in the art world. And I, starting in around the 1980s and over decades and with millions of other people around this world, was able to build a new art world. And it was beautiful, this art world. And then it became not that beautiful over the last 15, 20 years. And that anyone listening to this right now, you are being tasked. You will have the opportunity to make a whole new world the way I did. And you will everything you are modeling now in this time will be part of that world, something you all went through together. And I'll be thinking of you. I hope there's space in it for me. As somebody this old, I don't know if I'll ever gain immunity. I may never set foot in that world again. But I know it will exist and that all of you will build it. And that I love art. And I love the art world. It is my only family. There isn't anything for me other than this. And I'm not ashamed, and I'm proud, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. And now I want you all to go out and build it. Because if you build it, I promise you here, in the middle of May, in the year 2020, that they will come. And you will have what I always wanted and somehow cobbled together for myself, and I wish for all of you, you too will have a life lived in art. Who could ask for anything more? I mean, thank you, art. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Brave New World. Music by Nazca Lines. Produced and hosted by Brian Alfred.
We can both be someone.